We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into a Wednesday, November edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Nick Whalen, Brandon Kravitz here with you as we are every Wednesday. And uh, Brandon, we got a three-game NBA slate last night to break down. Your Orlando Magic were in action against the Clippers. We'll talk a little Knicks-Cavs. We'll talk about some Victor Weminyama takeaways from what turned into a, a wild finish uh, in the Spurs-Suns game, a game that it looked like Phoenix was going to run away with uh, you know, kind of midway through. But uh, hell of a comeback by San Antonio. We'll, we'll break down all of our takeaways there. We'll talk about some players who are off to a slow start, you know, one week into the season, whether or not we're panicking about said players. Uh, we'll hit on some guys who are in the opposite camp, you know, guys who are off to a fast start. How real is it? Should you be looking to sell high in fantasy leagues? Uh, but first and foremost, Brandon, I know it's been more than 24 hours. I know, you know Steve and, and Bob talked about it on the podcast a little bit yesterday, but I, I want to you know discuss some of the fantasy and gambling ramifications of the James Harden trade uh, that broke at like 3 a.m. my time yesterday morning. Uh, well, I mean, I, I can't say I'm totally shocked. I thought that this would happen uh, relatively quickly, and and we figured that it would be to the L.A. Clippers. So this is um, – we're sort of on schedule when it comes to all of this. I mean, the, the most simple take on this whole thing is that long-term, this doesn't really move the needle. I think it will it will enhance some regular season success for the Clippers who already are in a pretty good groove. They're playing some great basketball, and I'm not just saying that because my Orlando Magic got walloped last night. They, they were playing well coming into that. Um, I think James Harden will help in that regard, but how can you really trust this team when, when it comes to the playoffs? I know that their title odds have shifted. They're now, I believe, third, the last I checked as of yesterday at least, third in the West behind the Nuggets mm-hmm. and the Lakers. Uh, I'm, I'm not, or uh, the Lakers or the uh, Nuggets and the Suns. I'm not buying that at all. Um, I think there's a, almost a 0% chance this works in the postseason. So so why is that exactly? Is it is it as obvious as James Harden just doesn't show up? We don't trust Kawhi Leonard to be healthy because I, I think when you look at this just on paper, you have four, in my mind, no doubt, lock, probably first ballot Hall of Famers, right? In Kawhi, PG, Russell Westbrook, who people forget is still on this team. And I, I think is probably going to be marginalized a bit with the addition of James Harden and then Harden himself. I mean, those guys are 
you can say it's as good of a core as we've ever seen put together in terms of pure talent. But I, for me, like Harden is the piece that I trust the least. You know, I, I, I could see things finally breaking the Clippers way health wise. You know, they've had so many you know tough breaks throughout the last couple of years. And obviously that's what you sign up for when, when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are your two front men. And I mean, Paul George has sneakily missed more time than Kawhi since those two have been together with the Clippers. So I, I think we always think of Kawhi as the guy getting hurt and kind of, you know, ruining their season, but it, it's been a little bit of both. And, you know, I think chances are one of those guys ends up being hurt at some point and, and we'll see where they are come playoff time. If, if they're fully healthy, I'm willing to entertain it just because the talent level is so high. But at the same time, they shipped out a lot of depth. You know, they basically like three swingmen, you know, all go to Philadelphia. We'll see what the Sixers, you know, end up doing with that. If, if they try to, you know, use some of these assets that they acquired from the Clippers uh, to, to flip those, you know, perhaps at the trade deadline or even sooner uh, to make an addition on their end. But yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of with you on the Clippers. Like, it's just amazing to me that we have these four Hall of Famers together and collectively everybody just kind of shrugs their shoulders and is like, yeah, I don't think it's going to work. Well, I mean, what evidence do we have that that it is? Kawhi Leonard had that had a great run with the San Antonio Spurs. That was a buttoned up organization that was on the tail end of a dynasty, and he was starting to break out. He gets shipped to Toronto. That was a team that was a Kawhi Leonard type of player away, and he put together one of the most masterful postseason performances that we've ever seen. He's the guy that I kind of worry about the least just because if he is available, he'd be the reason he would be the catalyst that got them to the NBA finals, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And last and one of the reasons why the perception exists that you talk about is because of the last postseason. He was playing great, got hurt, wasn't available. Paul George, as you mentioned, availability hasn't exactly been his calling card and being locked in focused and great in clutch situations in the playoffs isn't something that James Harden's ever really been great at. He did have a nice run with Houston in the playoffs. If you look at his playoff numbers, they're not that bad. But in closing situations where you need him the most, he doesn't show up. And he's only deteriorating as a player. There's just a lot of ifs and, well, yeah, buts when it comes to the Clippers. In NBA 2K, you can run away with a championship. When I have to worry about these four egos working together in Houston, throughout the season I'm, I, I can't buy stock into that it's too many variables I, I'm with you on that I I do think you know if, if they run into a fully healthy Denver team that, that's not going to be close um I, I think I think the continuity that Denver has you know outweighs the the overall talent level with the Clippers I you know the, the reason that I'm not just totally writing them off is because I think a lot of the things that we just said about the Clippers we could say about the Lakers and the Suns right I think we have significant injury concerns about LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, you know, I, I think we, we've already seen, you know, Bradley Beal miss all four games for the Suns. Devin Booker's banged up. Kevin Durant has missed as much time as anybody over the last few years. So, like, I, I think there's a world in which, you know, other teams break down. And if the Clippers could just stay relatively healthy, like, they can they can at least be in the mix. Like, I'm, I'm not just completely tossing them aside. Like, I, I think there is a world in which the Clippers are in the Western Conference Finals. Like, I don't think it's that crazy. Uh, and they moved from 17-1 to 1 to 12-1, to 1, by the way to win the title at DraftKings, but I, I understand the other side of it. Where, where does that rank, by the way? Do you, if you have that in front of you, where are they in the, in the hierarchy of the, of the NBA? Are they like, uh, so right, right now at DraftKings, it's you know, Celtics and Bucks are basically both four to one at the top. Nuggets, five to one, Suns seven to one Clippers and Warriors, 12 to one Lakers, 13 to one. Uh, and then the Sixers moved only from 17 to one to 18 to one in the wake of this deal. 
I think that's because that number was already baked in, assuming yeah. that James Harden wasn't going to be um, around. They just the, the market didn't know where Harden was going to play, so it didn't shift another team's number. But, yeah, that, that makes sense for Philadelphia. And Philly, The you know, I don't know if you're ready to transition over to them, but they're an yeah. interesting part of this equation too um, because they can make a move. How they handle this is going to be really fun to watch. I think we all know the Clippers thing likely going to end in disaster, and we'll just watch that play out on live TV. For the Sixers, they can make a move by the deadline to enhance their roster. They can make a move in the summer to enhance their roster, or they could have a conversation with Joel Embiid behind closed doors where he says, yeah, you can do all the work you want. I'm done with the Philadelphia 76ers, and based on the assets they collected from the Clippers, they could blow this thing up in pretty uh, phenomenal fashion so they can go in three different directions here with how they handle this and it really comes down to do they want to do it now and is Joel Embiid on board I think getting the two picks in this deal considering they had almost no leverage right uh, I mean they were backed into a corner nobody else had really any interest in James Harden it, it felt all along like they were going to be forced to trade him to the Clippers at some point picking up those two picks and being able to use those in a future deal I, I think is huge uh, you know, the role players they got back, you know, I, I think they just, they kind of raise your floor in the short term. Right. And, and Phillies look pretty good early on anyway. Like I think the three man core of Embiid, Maxi, and Harris, you know, plus, plus some of the depth they pick up, like they'll, they'll still to be, be the third or fourth best team in the Eastern conference. And then if you want to cash in some of those chips for a Zach Levine or OG and Obi or Siakam or whoever it may be, I think that deal is out there. So I, I think you're right. That's why, that's why we did not see a dramatic shift in the odds. I mean, usually if you lose somebody of James Harden's caliber, and you don't really bring back another star, you're going to see a bigger drop than that. But um, you know, there, there's also a belief here that it could be could be somewhat of an addition by subtraction situation, just getting Harden away from this team. I, I don't think you know him being around, whether he was playing or not, uh, you know, could have been detrimental in some ways. Uh, although, you know, we, we I was on NBA radio last night, and we we played a clip of Tyrese Maxey, you know, just singing James Harden's praises and saying you know how much he appreciates everything Harden taught him when he was there. Like there there does seem to be like this weird disconnect I, I think between how fans view James Harden and how players view him like it, it's kind of a Kyrie situation yeah I don't get the impression that that that, um, that his that, that his teammates hate him you go back to that silly white party of uh, that was that happened over the summer where there was all like Michael pretty Rubin. much every celebrity known to man was there the rock Kim Kardashian a bunch of ran, random NBA players somehow Mo Bamba was invited to this party yeah. um and Joel Embiid and James Harden were hanging out together amidst all of this drama and these trade rumors. Yeah. And yeah, he, I think he must the, be a very cool guy off the court. I'll, I'll give him I'm that. thinking so. I mean, that's never really been um, James Harden. I, I don't like using the term cancer. I think that that has been thrown around there in terms of what he means to a locker room. I don't think that's the problem. No. James Harden's worst enemy is himself. I don't think he puts the work in in the offseason. Um, I don't think he's obsessed with winning the, the report that came out when he was talking to the Houston Rockets. Yeah. He's obsessed with scoring. He wants, he wants, he loves the stats. He's obsessed with the box score. Honestly, he'd be, he'd be great at what we do in terms of just box score. He's he's probably a hell of a fantasy basketball player. I'm thinking so in many ways on the court and off. Uh, And that seems to be the issue. Not so much getting along with teammates. 
Oh, man. Um, all right. I, I want to talk about some of the fantasy implications. We've talked about you know the gambling movement. Doesn't sound like you're going to be betting the Clippers uh, at 12 to 1. I will, I'm I, not I, touching that. I do think no. Philly at 18 to 1 is interesting. Like, I, I wouldn't bet them. I, I think it's Boston or Milwaukee in the East. But if you're if you're a Philly believer, I, I think this is probably as good as this number is going to be, especially if you think they're making a splash at some point. Um, Who do they have to add for you to to feel like, man, I have stolen – Candy from the candy jar here. If yeah. you if you took this at, at eighteen to one, I uh, Luka Doncic, Jokic. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, okay, that was you're, that was a little bit more of a heavy hitter answer than I was expecting. I was like well, Zach Levine's not not going to move the needle. No, I just just because I, I think Boston is is that good, and I think Milwaukee has the potential to be that good. That you know the Sixers adding Zach Levine, I, I think they're still a pretty distant second or third in the East uh, because I, I think, you know, I put Boston on, on a slightly higher level than Milwaukee right now. And again, I, I think once Milwaukee has some time to coalesce and, and maybe make some, some additions on the margins, they could be right there with the Celtics. But yeah, I, I think Philly you know, needs a bigger upgrade than Zach Levine. He certainly helps and he, he, he closes that gap, but it doesn't make me think, all right, you know, Philly's now the favorite by any means. Uh, I actually, I, I almost wonder, like, would, would Ananobi be a better fit for them? Uh, do they, do, you know, do they need, you know, kind of a, a another score first player? In Levine, I, you know, obviously he's not the the distributor that James Harden was, but is that is that kind of going down the the same path as as having kind of this one way player? Yeah, you're probably right. I think the Zach Levine move um, is a is a flashier one, and and can help this team when they kind of get stuck in the mud. I'm thinking about the the playoff version of the Philadelphia 76ers, where Joel Embiid is slowed down for whatever reason. And then they don't have anybody else that can pack a punch yeah. offensively. That's where they got stuck last year. So Ananobi, that feels like the smart NBA move. That feels like the smart basketball analyst says Ananobi. Mm-hmm. But I need to see a second option that can help when Joel Embiid um, is slowed down in the paint. So how good are you feeling right now uh, if you have Tyrese Maxey in fantasy? Oh, phenomenal. Uh, you know, I, I, we, we saw his, his ADP rise a little bit, you know, but I, I think there was still some caution you know, before we, we knew exactly what was going to happen with James Harden, he is seventh in per game value right now, Brandon, in Roto Leagues. And I don't I don't really see that slowing down anytime soon, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you, you should feel fantastic. He uh, th- this is part of the gamble of, uh, of investing in him come draft season. It's one that I made um, many times because I just figured James Harden was going to be on the move and uh, it, it felt like. Um, you know, a when, not if kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And Tyrese, uh, Tyrese Maxey were waiting for that big breakout. This could be it. 26 points scored in his last game. I don't see why he can't put up numbers that are close to that uh, on, a, on a night-to-night basis. And he's a, an efficient player. He's not just a chucker. Oh, I, I like what I see from Maxey, and now he's got all the opportunity in the world until we hit the trade deadline if the Philadelphia 76ers decide that uh, that they want to make a move, but you at least have another couple of months of enjoying the fruits of your Tyrese Maxey uh, endeavor here. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, we got a timely question in the chat here, Brandon, about Russell Westbrook, who I was going to ask you about. Uh, Freaky asks, is, is Russell Westbrook no longer a 12-team guy? I, I think Russell Westbrook is the primary victim of James Harden's arrival. I, I think he will likely be pushed to the bench, and I, I still think he sees plenty of minutes, especially with some of the depth that the Clippers shed. But we also have to keep in mind that you know Norman Powell has been banged up to begin the year. Terrence Mann has yet to play. I mean, that's another 20, 25 minutes. You know, they brought in Bones Highland this offseason or, or late last season. They want to you know get more of a look at him. So you know, Westbrook so far is off to a reasonable start, you know, in terms of the counting stats at 18, seven and six with five steals last night. Um, you know, if you're in Roto leagues, I think, you know, the pitfalls with Westbrook, you know, by, by the end of the year, he's probably going to be shooting around 40%. The free yep. throw percentage continues to be a massive, massive issue. That's only gotten worse over the last few years. And if you're in a nine category league that counts turnovers, he kills you there. Uh, you know, does James Harden's arrival in LA, you know, does that make Russell Westbrook droppable? I, I don't know if I quite go that far. No, I don't think that you need to take it to that extreme, but should he be sitting on your bench? Yes, because uh, 
of just the clog that you're going to see there um, with ball handlers with the LA Clippers and how else is Russell Westbrook really giving you value unless he's one of the primaries in that department. Now, where you don't want to drop him is that we're talking about a team that is going to deal with injuries, load management all season long. So Russell Westbrook will have, have his opportunities. Maybe you're if you're in a league where you have to set your lineup only once a week rather than a daily format, uh, I think I'd be more prone to letting him go because I don't know how I'm going to ride that wave. But if you set your lineup daily, then Russell Westbrook will still have days where you feel comfortable slotting him in there. Uh, we did get an update, by the way, on James Harden. Very unlikely to play tonight. Uh, Clippers are at the Lakers. Um, and then they, they have four days off after that before they embark on a on an East Coast road trip. They go out and play the New York team starting on Monday. So uh, all indications at this point, Brandon, is that you know they probably give James Harden a little bit of time to – get acclimated and we, he makes his debut for the Clippers on Monday, November 6th. That will be a four game week for the Clippers. So something to keep in mind there. Um, yeah. One quick note on Tyrese Maxey, by the way, our, our, our guy Alex Barutha mentioned this last night on the show, 91 points, 19 assists and only three turnovers so far for Maxey. Yeah. He's an efficient player. This is a smart basketball player that knows how to find his spots, knows how to get his teammates involved and, um, they need him right now uh, in in the scoring department. So I like what I see from him. Uh, I think that the fact that we didn't see that explosion last year that some people were anticipating maybe cooled some of the hype down, but he's still a really good player, and, and he's showing that now, especially given this opportunity. All right, Brandon, I want to play a little game of panic or don't panic, and we'll, we'll kind of shoot some players back and forth and, and, and discuss you know whether or not we should be worried about what we've seen through one week. And you know where we're starting here. We're going to the Orlando Magic. Oh, boy. They, they've I'm always two in a row. They, they, they got the L.A. sweep back-to-back these last two nights. What's going on with Paolo Bancaro, man? Uh, nine points on 14 shots in 30 minutes against the Lakers. A season-high 15 points last night. You know, it had four rebounds, four assists, four steals. It was a decent fantasy night. Uh, but, you know, he's four of his last ten at the free throw line on the year. He's just barely over 50%. The shooting has kind of been all over the place. The confidence feels like it's a little bit low. Um, are you panicking about what we've seen through eight days of Palo Bancaro's season? Yeah, it's been a weird start, especially when you compare it to last year where he started off so hot, scoring 20 points every night. You were getting comparisons, not in the type of player, but just the type of numbers he was putting up to Wilt Chamberlain and LeBron James in their rookie seasons. That's how that's how wild his start was last year. Again, that's not an opinion. That was just based on fact and numbers. Uh, and we're seeing the complete opposite. I, I think he's been really passive so far early in this season, much more focused on getting his teammates involved and picking his spots. Uh, I was playing his three-point attempt under every game, up, in, and, and last night was the first time that I lost on that one because he just hasn't been shooting the ball. Last night, he, he took the shots, and and then they weren't falling. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of flipped back in the other direction where he's only attempting either none or, or two at the most. He was one of five from three point range. I don't know exactly what it is because Talo's never going to turn into the star that we all anticipate. If he's this passive, I'm going to blame FIBA a little bit. Maybe that's unfair. Oh. I don't know. Uh, Jalen Brunson has had sort of a slow start. We've seen a slow start from Austin Reeves. Hasn't really impacted Anthony Edwards. I mean, it's not like universal by any means, but it seems like a couple of these guys that played in FIBA are off to a slow start. I'm wondering if that has anything to do with Paolo, who's just played a lot of basketball. 
um, over the last year. His usage rate is down more than five percentage points compared to last season, which that's just not typically what you see from you know a guy like him coming in second year as a number one overall pick. You know, if anything, you usually see a five percent jump in the other way. Um, so I, I think it gets straightened out. You know, it's like if I drafted Paolo Bancaro, I'm not I'm not looking to sell him off right now. For one, you'd be selling low. I you know I yeah. think there would be plenty of interest if someone in your league is looking to offload him, pick him up. I, I think this might go down as his worst week of the season. Uh, the, the free throw shooting is the biggest concern for me, though, Brandon. I mean, is he? It was something that kind of waxed and waned a little bit last season. He was in the seventies, um, but you know, it, 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 is this just kind of a, a, a random slow start? I mean, I, I don't really know how you predict, you know, free throw shooting when we only have one one sample size of or one season's worth of a sample size. But uh, to, to be as erratic as he's been so far, that that to me has been the strangest part. Yeah, I would expect that to get better. I'm a little more concerned about his. Um long range jumper and and even some of the mid range stuff he just it seems like he hangs in the air a little bit too long there's something off about his um his the, the, the full form of his shot not necessarily the release but um the timing of the release and it just seems like palo and they they say that if you miss short then usually that's like the most correctable um way to get your shot back on track but he he is always missing short he always hits front rim when he doesn't make a shot and it just seems like there's a little bit too much weight on the ball when he shoots that's something I worry about more in terms of outside shooting than at the free throw line where your feet are planted anyway because it seems like it's more of a it's a jump shot problem so I'm not as concerned when it comes to the free throw line and he's going to get his attempts mm-hmm. um, he's going to get more aggressive I think he just needs some home cooking at one home game, and then you're off to a West Coast road trip. Um, LeBron and the Lakers, I remember that last year. That he that team really tripped him up last season. Yeah. I think it's a tough matchup because he bullies guys with his size, and the Lakers are a really big team. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's not matchup dependent, but in, in some ways, if you're looking for that big breakout, he kind of is. How about LaMelo Ball, Brandon? Somebody I grabbed in round two of my NFBKC draft. Paired him with Anthony Davis. Felt really good about that start. AD's been fantastic so far. But we are, we're three games in for LaMelo. And the shooting has been disastrous. Six of 24 from beyond the arc. 11 of 44 overall from the field for LaMelo. The, the minutes have been a little bit limited. You know, they, they said they're keeping an eye on him. You know, he's still playing close to 30 minutes. It hasn't, to me, that hasn't really impacted his fantasy value all that much, although it you know, should be closer to 35 minutes per game when he's at full speed. He's still giving you nine assists. He's still giving you six rebounds. You know, the steals have been there as well. So you can't really complain about that. But uh, the shooting efficiency and uh, the quality of shots that he's taking, like that, that to me is, is what concerns me. It's like, even if they start to fall at a higher rate, like I, I just, I feel like he's playing pretty recklessly so far. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I am a big Steve Clifford, Mark. Uh, I love him as a head coach and sometimes I'll just seek out his post game press conferences. Cause I miss it from his days, uh, as an Orlando magic head coach. And he is all over LaMelo ball. He even said it the other day that you just cannot win if your best players don't play well. I mean, might as well have just held up a big sign that said LaMelo. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is uh, other than we could point to the obvious fact that this guy didn't play a lot of basketball last year um, uh, because of the injury. So maybe it's just a slow start in that regard. I think what concerns me the most is that you look at the matchups that he's had, you should be able to feast. It's not like they've played a um, a murderer's row here. It's the the Nets, the the Pistons, and the Hawks, and you're still struggling with those matchups. So 
If you're asking me panic or patience, by the way, I just realized that I didn't even answer that when it came to Palo. Patience on Palo. Yeah. Mild panic on LaMelo Ball. Well, he's got got another banger of a matchup tonight at the Houston Rockets. So if you can't get it straightened out there, I don't know what to tell you. And he plays the Pacers in Indiana on Saturday. It should be another uh, pretty advantageous one. Yeah. This is actually a fantastic schedule early on. Like the more I keep looking, I, I like it more and more. They're, they're at Dallas on Sunday, back-to-back games against the Wizards Wednesday and Friday. So I think these next two weeks will tell us a lot about LaMelo Ball. Like those yeah. those Wizards games, you know, he could he could go for like 40 and 20. Or, you know, he could go two of 15 from the field. We, we will see. But if they have two wins through league. the, if they have like two wins through that stretch of games, I mean, it, very rarely do you see a, a team's season is legitimately yeah. over one week into the NBA season, but it might be the case for them. I, I mean, if, if LaMelo's shooting under 40%, that's just going to be tough for them to win games, you know? And I, I don't know what's going to go on with, with Miles Bridges. If, if, you know, if he's back at some point, that gives them somewhat of a boost, but it doesn't doesn't really change the bottom line for me. Um, I, I've been kind of out on, on this team for, for non-fantasy purposes. Um, all right, let's talk a little Wembenyama. We, we saw him in action last night, Brandon. Uh, the Spurs pull off a, a last-second win over the Suns. They did not lead until 1.2 seconds were remaining on the clock. Kevin Durant just gets straight-up ripped by Kelton Johnson, and he, he lays it in uh, just before the buzzer. You know, <laughs> watching this game, especially late, it's like the Spurs don't realize that they have Webanyama on the team. You know, some of the, the, the shots that Johnson and Devin Vassell in particular were putting up were just difficult to watch as someone who enjoys good basketball. Like Webanyama's like, you know, jumping around in the paint, like, please give me the ball. I'm five feet from the hoop. And <laughs> Kel Johnson's like, no, thank you. I'm just going to bank this, uh, you know, bang this, this shot off the backboard and, you know, pull, try to pull up from three and be the hero. Vassell did it twice in the last two minutes. Uh, so it, it's a little bit strange to, to see Webanyama almost used as like a role player for this team. He played only 28 minutes. His minutes have been up and down yeah. so far. You know, foul trouble contributed to that on opening night. Um, but, you know, we, we have a four games under our belt with Webanyama. If you were somebody who took him, you know, late in the second round or, you know, paid an exorbitant price for him, like I saw in a, in a couple of my auction leagues, do you like what you've seen so far? Did you expect more? Is it, is it about what you expected? Like, where are we at on him? I like the fact that he looks like he belongs. I don't. I don't think um, uh, Wimbenyama looks out of place. I, I think a lot of people looked and said, "Okay, he's got this incredible skill set, but he's going to get bullied." Uh, that is not the case. It seems like he knows uh, where he's supposed to be. He, uh, I think, he matches up well with some of the competition he's gone up against. The fact that he had eight rebounds last night against Yusuf Nurkic uh, is, to me is a great sign. So th- I'm looking for those little things. And then the explosion will come. So the fact that he's sort of just, and I think a part of this is by design and, and more maybe Greg Popovich than Victor Wembanyama himself, but it seems like he's sort of pacing himself to ramp up to larger production as the season goes along. The fact that the Spurs are competitive in these games is a really big deal as well. They were competitive the other night. Um, against oh who was it i'm already forgetting who they played the other night but the San but clippers. Those, well they got, the clippers, they got blown up by the clippers they beat the rockets that's what it was are uh, they're opening and then their opening game i mean they were um they were in that one all the way through as well so we've seen the spurs play some good basketball they're two and two right now and women yama is part of the reason mm-hmm. why this team is is sort of stable so the fact that he you know, the minutes you want to see get there, I, I don't know. I think we're going to deal with that all season long, but uh, 
I would I expected him to get owned on the boards throughout mm-hmm. the early portion of the season, points and blocks to be there, and we're seeing that, and now he's starting to rebound as well. So I like it. Uh, I, I like what I'm seeing so far, and he's shooting a decent percentage. Yeah, I, I would say considering he's played over 30 minutes only once in four games, and he has you know a, a 23 and a 26 minute game sprinkled in there, like the fact that he's still basically at two and a half blocks per game is really encouraging. You know, the one thing that has not been there is the assists. I, I thought he actually looked a lot better as a passer yeah. in summer league and in the preseason. Uh, like that was just not something that was talked about all that much in the scouting report. And you know, he's, he's, he hasn't had more than two assists in any game yet. They haven't really asked him to do that. Uh, but the three-point shooting, too, also looks good. Like, he hit a, a really nice, quick catch-and-shoot three last night, you know, kind of coming around to his right. I mean, it, it just looked like – you know, did not look like a seven-foot-four player taking that shot, right? I mean, it was it was as quick as it gets. And, you know, I think he's been really, really confident. He's been seeking out more threes, which is huge for fantasy. I mean, the percentage hasn't been great. He's probably taken a, a little too many uh, at this point. Uh, and then free-throw percentage-wise, he's right at 70, which that could have gone anywhere. You know, a player like him is, is really tough to project at the line. He's been, for his size, a pretty good shooter in the past. Uh, but if he could get to 70 75%, you know, on five, six attempts per game, I, I think you can live with that as a rookie. And you, I think you assume that he's going to have more games where he's playing 30 to 35 minutes. You know, physically, he looks fine. Like, we, we saw, I think it was the Summer League opener, right, where he was he was gassed, like, two minutes into that game. Yeah. I, I think he's put some work in on his conditioning and, and to add a little bit of weight since we last saw him in July. Yeah, and he, and he seems like a leader on the floor, too. That, the players that, that play around him maybe don't, as you mentioned, defer to him enough. But it's still you can feel his presence when he's on the floor. I agree when it comes to those assist numbers. We t- we spoke before opening night or the, like that, for, that first full slate, and it was that Mavericks game that I was trying to think about where I actually had the Spurs in that game, and I had Victor Wimbanyama over one and a half assists. I thought that that was a lock. Well, that prop did hit, the over hit, but only by one, and he hasn't gone beyond two assists at any point so far this season. That was something that we saw a lot from him in preseason specifically where we went, man, this guy's going to get his teammates involved. So I think they need to figure out a way to have the offense flow through him a little bit more, but that's where it comes back to their pacing themselves. The Spurs know that this isn't about a sprint out of the gate for this guy. I think they'll get to that point where by Christmas, by the start of the new year, he's going to feel so comfortable in this offense and everything's going to really start flowing through him. It's not like Popovich is scared of having an offense run through a big. He certainly did plenty of that with Duncan. Well, they're trying it with Sohan, and it might be time to give up the ghost on that one. I would like to see a little bit more Trey Jones running the show. Um, I want to talk some Scoot Henderson in a moment, but we got a message from our friends at Underdog Fantasy. It's the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS pick'em contest. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new users receive a first-time deposit up to $500 and and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire. All you got to do is use the promo code RWNBA. That's RWNBA. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today and use that code RWNBA. That will get you the deposit bonus up to 500 bucks and a free six-month subscription to rotowire.com. We're also brought to you by Vivid Seats. The NBA season is here. And on behalf of our friends at Vivid Seats, let's get one thing clear. Nothing beats seeing your favorite team crush it on the court to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Every dunk, dribble, heart-pounding play from your favorite team live and in person. And because Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards on every purchase, you can score amazing deals and unrivaled annual rewards all season long. 
Plus, with a 100% buyer guarantee, you can be sure your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today and use the promo code ROTOWIRE for 20 bucks off your first $200 purchase. That's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, ROTOWIRE, for $20 off your first $200 purchase. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, let's talk some Scoot, Brandon. We we, we got a lot of Scoot Henderson questions in the chat uh, yep. during the pod on Monday. Scoot did not do a whole lot to to dissuade those questions on, on Monday night against Toronto. Another another tough outing uh, for the rookie point guard. Four of 12, 11 points. Did have a career-high seven assists. We like to see that. Had a couple of steals, but four more turnovers. And he fouled out in 34 minutes. Like I, I could not remember a rookie guard having like this big of foul trouble issues early on. Like this is something that you see from rookie big men. I mean, he's got 16 fouls over the last three games. Yeah. Some of these, uh, some of these summer league superstars, uh, it's funny how we get tripped up on this every single year. Uh, Cam Whitmore, where's he at also, but uh, much more usage for the guy we're talking about right here in Scoot Henderson, who has not been very good early on. When we worry about guards coming into the NBA, this is like the prototype of what we're talking about here, where they just they just they feel like they are bulls in a china shop. And I think that that's where you see the foul trouble coming into play. Scoot Henderson is used to using his speed, his size, uh, his strength at the rim to his advantage. And right now he's meeting competition that is as big and strong and fast and physical as he is. And he's finding himself in foul trouble. So he's got to get a little bit more creative with his game. And it just feels like he's pressing right now. I can't overly judge him based on what I've seen early on. It's a four-game sample size. If you ask yourself this, like I see we have questions about, is he a hold? What did you expect through his first four games? Is it really that different from what you're getting right now? I know it's ugly, but... I expected better this, than this, to be honest. I, I thought I, I thought he looked pretty good in the preseason, right? And we saw a glimpse of him in summer league, and we're like, all right, man, he's ready to hit the ground running. I mean, this is... But that's it, what I mean. We get games. tricked by summer league all the yeah. time. I mean, it's not the think, same game. I, I do think the the absence of Anthony Simons has hurt this team as well. Just taking away, you know, the most capable scorer on the roster. Like all of a sudden, you're not down to. There's not that many players on this team that are like, you know, even like mid level NBA players, right? I think they're they're kind of running out of depth. If he's out there with the second unit, you know, you're basically running around with G leaguers. Like I, I think he's been hurt by that. Um, I, mean, our, I guess the way I would frame it is like if somebody's trying to offload Scoot Henderson or somebody drops him in, let's say, a 14 team league, are you picking him up? It, it, I feel like it can't really get any worse. Yeah, I'm definitely picking him up. I think it would be ridiculous to drop him at this point. I have this stat right here. 19 year old point guard, top three pick NBA career debut. And this is all just based on one game, but just use this as a frame of reference. LaMelo Ball, zero points, 0-5 from the field. Yep. Kyrie Irving, 2 of 12 from the field, scored six points. D'Angelo Russell, who could not miss the other night against my Orlando Magic, four points, 2 of 7 from the field. And you've seen what Scoot Henderson has done. These guys struggle. Jabari Smith was somebody we were all writing off last year. I know that's not a guard, but still a high-drafted rookie uh, last season. He came around. These guys, it just sometimes it takes a minute. They don't burst onto the scene right away but if you love the talent and what you saw um, if you followed G League at night ignite or you liked what you saw in, in summer league which can be maybe the biggest mirage of all I think the preseason was a better sign better days are ahead for Scoot Henderson I, I think dropping him would be overreactionary 
I'm with you, man. I, I think we'll look back a month from now and say, wow, remember when he had that horrible start? And look, I, I don't know that he's going to be on pace for, you know, some sort of all-time, you know, rookie of the year type of season, but it's not going to be as bad as it's been so far. And you, you got to keep in mind, he's, he's 19. He didn't play college ball. There's going to be, I think, a bigger adjustment than, than maybe we expected. Um, you know, speaking of the the Portland Trailblazers, we had, we had a question. Should I trade Russell Westbrook for Jeremy Grant? I would rather have Grant. I know it hasn't been great so far, but yeah. I think he's going to be more consistent. And he's basically the number one option alongside Shaden Sharp as long as Simons is out. Yeah, I completely agree. I, and, and and guard is so deep in general. Uh, I'm not I'm not trying to chase Russell Westbrook at this point. I'd rather have Grant. Let's talk some Jabari Smith. Uh, had a question from James in the chat. Uh, Jabari Smith, rest of season outlook. I actually had him on my list, Brandon, of, of players that I wanted to run by you as to whether or not we're, we're panicking. And you know, th- th- this is an interesting one for me because I wanted to draft a bunch of Jabari Smith and I just, I just didn't get him almost anywhere because you have to pay up and everybody was, was kind of trying to get in on what could be a second year boom. It, it played better, had his best game of the year against Golden State the other night, 14, 8, and 5 with a couple of steals. Uh, but it, it's been kind of similar to last year so far. You know, the numbers are almost exactly in line with what we saw from him a year ago. And, you know, the caveat being we're talking about a three game sample. So check back in a month on, on Jabari Smith. But um, I, I think some people thought it would be, you know, more of a, uh, you know, impactful, you know, kind of sudden change from year one to year two. And to me, I, I think he, like a lot of players on this Houston Rockets roster, is still just kind of trying to find out, okay, where do I fit in this hierarchy? Yeah, absolutely. And Jamari Smith was one of my examples for why we should uh, why we should practice a little bit of patience with Scoot Henderson. Jabari Smith got going at the end of last year, so you kind of figured it would roll into this season. But we're seeing a different Rockets team with a different head coach, and they're breaking in a new ball handler in Fred Van Vliet. So the ball distribution is different. He needs to get up a lot of shots in order to be uh, an effective fantasy option, in my opinion. And right now, there's just only one ball to go around. And you add Dylan Brooks to the mix. You add Fred Van Vliet to the mix. Jalen Green is always going to try and get his. And Ime Udoka is trying to get all these guys to play within a certain system. Jabari Smith, last year, one of the things that I didn't like was that it felt like he deferred to his teammates too much. If you're talking about a guy that is going to kind of take that more passive approach and say, okay, I'm going to. Like I think he's he is almost too coachable, I guess is what I'm saying. And here you have Ime Udoka coming in that wants these guys to fit into a new system. Well, Jabari Smith might be overcorrecting in that regard, and he is somebody that, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Am I rushing to drop him? No, um, but uh, I, I would I would be I would lean more towards the panic side because. There's just there's so many shots to go around with these guys. There are only so many shots to go around, and I worry about um, Jabari Smith getting his throughout the course of the season. Yeah, I, w- I would almost wait for like one big game for him and then try to sell because I, I think right now it just yeah. looks so similar to last season, but he's, he's going to have those those boom games every now and then. It's just Houston, for being a bad team, you know, it's Van Vliet, Amen Thompson, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Cam Whitmore, Jabari Smith, Tari Easton when he comes back, Shangoon. It's like there's – there's like eight guys that are either trying to get theirs as veterans and trying to win games. If you're talking about Van Vliet and Brooks, and then you got six other young players that you're trying to develop simultaneously. Like rarely right. does that work out well. Yeah, exactly. And Jabari Smith doesn't seem like the assertive type that's going to demand that he gets his. So no. I think he, he could be one of those guys that until uh, he has a stretch where his teammates go, man, we've got to get this guy involved. I think he could fade into the background a little bit. 
All right, we'll talk about a couple more players in a moment, but we got a message from Rival Fantasy. LeBron versus Jordan, Magic versus Bird, Barkley versus McHale. Basketball is synonymous with legendary player rivalries. They make the game more fun and give fans the storylines that raise the stakes every time those players meet on the court or come up in conversation. Now, every player matchup and head-to-head debate can be settled on Rival Fantasy. This NBA season, you can play challenges where you decide which NBA player will score more fantasy points in their next game. You can play the Rival Fantasy in-house challenges or create your own and get a friend in the mix with customizable social challenges. Sign up at joinrival.com slash rotowire and you'll get a $200 deposit match. Get in on this now while it's still early in the season. That's joinrival.com slash rotowire. It's time to step up to the challenge on Rival Fantasy. We will see you in the arena. Uh, all right, we got a trade question in the chat, Brandon. Who wins the trade? Nine category league, uh, Jeremy Sohan, Wendell Carter, and Keegan Murray, or Nicholas Claxton, Anyeko Kongwu, and Markel Fultz? This is an interesting one. I tend to lean towards the front end of the deal. Um, I like Jeremy Sohan's usage, so I'm a, I'm a little bit of a usage snob. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. has has a very specific ceiling, but I think he has a nice safe floor. So I'm, I'm digging that. And, um, and Keegan Murray, I guess you could kind of describe him a similar way. It doesn't feel like he's ever really going to go off, but you kind of know what you're getting there. Um, Markel Fultz, there's just too many games where he's just not involved. Um, Claxton's interesting. Where, where do you land on that? I, I, I lean towards the front end. I'm just more intrigued by those players. It's it's really really close. I'll say that. Yeah. I I'm not really a big Sohan guy. I'm interested to see how long they they see this you know point guard experiment through. I think the offense has looked pretty terrible when he's been out there. I don't really know exactly what they're trying to do. That um, you know Wendell Carter. I was actually kind of trying to get your opinion on him. Like you, you watch him as closely as anybody. Like he's he's off to a pretty slow start, and he's somebody that I've always liked. Like per game in fantasy, he's been much better than you know than total value just because he's missed so much time. Uh, but even the per game numbers haven't been good so far. Keegan Murray, if you're in, you know, nine category Roto League, that's huge for threes. You know, the efficiency should jump this year as well. I, I think I like the latter side, though. Like, I, I want the blocks from Claxton. He was sneakily like a top 40 guy last year. And, you know, Akongwu, we're going through it for like the third straight year with him where it, it just feels like the Hawks, you know, despite signing him to the big extension, they insist on playing him like 22 minutes every single night. I, he, he, I, I over the years, nobody has guarded Giannis as well as like Bam Adebayo and Anyako Kongwu. Like, he's, he's the guy that, you know, has given Giannis a ton of trouble. And I, I just want, I want to see that unleashed. And, you know, for fantasy purposes, it's tough to bank on it right now. But I, I do think, like, if Clint Capella goes down at any point, like, the Hawks don't have a lot of depth up front. Um, Kongwu is a guy that's just waiting to break out. So I, I, I kind of want a piece of that, even if, you know, you have to wait until you're in the season for that to happen. I would give a slight, slight nod to to the second package of Claxton, Kongwu, and Fultz. All right. Well, there you go. We've created nothing but gridlock and uh, you do with that what you will. Yeah, I agree about, I mean, Carter, you, uh, I, I think one of the things that we haven't seen come around yet mm-hmm. is that corner three, he was sniping in the preseason and it just hasn't really been there yet. Um, and that that's affecting their spacing and Paolo playing the more passive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to assist as a big, I think is impacting some of window Carter jr's numbers. So when we see Paolo become the scorer that he was last mm-hmm. year, I think you'll see, you'll see Carter kind of get back to his, uh, w- what he was last year. Also a couple of really tough matchups. Anthony Davis was completely locked in the other night. Yeah. He's bounced back from that, that very poor 
second half on, on opening night. Um, if you took Anthony Davis in the first round, it's looking good so far, but you're never going to rest easy uh, when, you, when you spent a first-round pick on Anthony Davis, but it's, it's, it's looked yep. good. Um, all right, thoughts on Jalen Johnson. You know, this has been one of the – if you're looking for, like, a short list of breakout players a week into the year, Jalen Johnson is probably at the top of that list. He is a top 60 fantasy value so far in Roto Leagues. Yeah, the numbers aren't completely overwhelming. You know, he had, had 21 on opening night. Uh, since then, has had three straight games where he's been in double figures between 11 and 14 points. You know, he's not not taking a ton of threes, uh, doing a lot of his work, you know, getting to the rim. The steals numbers have been there. The rebounds have been there. Uh, you know, Atlanta has kind of a convoluted situation on the wing. You, know, you got like a first-round pick last year in A.J. Griffin. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hunter is always hanging around. Sadiq Bey is in the mix as well. Uh, but I, I think Jalen Johnson has played so well early in the season that it's going to be really tough to keep him off the floor. And we've, we've already, already now seen him moved into the starting lineup for the last two games. Yeah. This one sort of hurts my, um, one of my pre preseason draft darling Sadiq Bay, cause he's been out yeah. playing him. And so I think he's, he's earned a, a larger distribution of the minutes than, than what you're seeing from Bay. And as long as he, is, he maintains a positive shooting average, there's no reason why this guy can't be, uh, in the discussion for most improved player, he is one of you um, think he's been one of the great stories early on this season. So w- we see this every year. We get this uh, this first couple week blip from some names that we maybe didn't necessarily expect. But I love what I'm seeing from Jalen Johnson. It looks real. So hopefully our eyes aren't deceiving us. Definitely uh, in on what I've seen so far. Yeah, I you know he's he's from Wisconsin. Jalen Johnson is. Um, you know he. he when I lived in Madison, he went to high school like 10 minutes away. I used, I used to go when I like fancied myself like a scout as like a 22-year-old. I was like, oh, I'm going to go watch this this prospect play. Like, I have never seen anything like that in terms of how dominant he was. Like I, I went to like a small you know, rural high school where it's like, oh, you, you have good players. Like this dude would have would have averaged like 80 points a game in the conference that I played in. Like it was it was ridiculous. Like he, he went to like a big school and played other like good schools in Wisconsin. And it was not even close. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure you see plenty of that in Florida where, where the, the, you know, the overall level of basketball is higher. Uh, but I, yeah. I had just never seen that kind of discrepancy between, you know, one guy on one team who is like six levels above anybody else he was playing against. Well, I'm around the corner from the Mount Verde Academy. So, yeah, we might have that problem. Now, I'm not – I didn't uh, – I certainly didn't average double digits. But, uh, you know, there, there are it's people it, you, that – You played uh, at Mount Verde, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I play, <laughs> played video games there. Yeah. Uh, so you're telling um, me he was he was dominating a young Nick Whalen? Is that what you're trying to tell uh, me? Well, thankfully, I mean he's younger than me, so I, I wasn't I wasn't available to be dominated at the time. Um, That's good. But believe me, I, I was uh, I was beaten down by plenty of players. We played Myers Myers Leonard in an AAU game once. That did not go well. Uh, believe it or not, my my yeah. team of like short white guys was absolutely murdered uh, by by him. But that's a story for another day. Uh, all right. Interesting question here from WC. Should I trade Ben Simmons for Rudy Gobert? Just got this offer. I would say absolutely yes. I, I'm i pro Gobert. I'm kind of on an island there. I understand it. He's vindicated me so far. The points, the rebounds, the blocks have been there. You know, I've said it a number of times on this pod. I've said it to you. Like I, I think last season was the baseline for Rudy Gobert. And I think people are talking about him like he's 36 and not 31. And, you know, not somebody who's played 72 to 75 games pretty much every year of his career. Uh, so I, I, he was somebody I was picking up at a discount. And 
right now I'd rather have him than Simmons. I just I don't really trust Ben Simmons at this point. Yeah, I think it also comes down to roster construction. What do you, what do your bigs look like? Yeah. Um, do you need to start a center? Because if that's the case, Rudy Gobert clearly has more fantasy value than uh, than Ben Simmons does. Curious to see what he's able to do tonight against Jokic. By the way, because it, mm. of all the teams that matched up with the Nuggets in the playoffs, you could argue the Timberwolves matched up with them the best in the uh, opening round. So, uh, and a curious line tonight, by the way. Minnesota only a two-point underdog at home mm. against Denver. Something to keep an eye on. I think I might be on Minnesota tonight. And your boy, Rudy Gobert, would be part of the reason why. Yeah, to Ben Simmons' credit, he is a top 40 fantasy asset thus far. Like, Simmons versus Gobert is really close. It's actually closer than I would have thought. And part of it is that Ben Simmons is just not taking any free throws. So it's not killing you that he can't shoot free throws. You know, that, that was something that, that had really held him back in Roto Leagues. Like, even... Even during his peak years, when we thought he was, you know, on track to be like a, a perennial all-star, he was taking five and a half free throws per game, and he was shooting 56, 60%, you know, which is just killing you. But, uh, you know, now through, through what, three games, he has attempted two total free throws, and he made one of them miss one of them. So if, if he's continuing to do that, if he's not getting to the rim, if he's not getting fouled, that actually helps his value in a roundabout way. And, you know, points have been there to a lower degree, you know, rebounds. He's had exactly 10 boards in all three games. The assists have been good. Uh, you know, he's blocking shots at, at like a similar clip to Gobert, uh, which says more about Gobert than it does Simmons. So it, it's a little bit closer than I would have thought. I'd, I'd still prefer Gobert. I, I think there's a little more trust there for me. But, um, you know, worth noting that that the lack of free throws has actually helped Ben Simmons. Yeah. Uh, can, can we get Ben Simmons to uh, – to, can we change his designation around the uh, – around the fantasy basketball world because he's it, it seems like he's effectively their uh their center at this point this is a really small lineup and you just look at some of the stats that he's compiled he's like their best big the nets are a weird team man they're yeah. they're a very weird team I, I don't know exactly i don't know exactly what they're trying to do and you know this actually you know uh kind of ties in well to a question we just got from from church here regarding cam thomas you know would you trade maxi or trade cam thomas or I assume it's Maxi plus Cam Thomas for LaBella Ball. I, uh, I, don't I don't know. I think man. you can do that right now. I think I'd almost rather have Maxi. I mean, that Cam Thomas is almost just a throw-in in this. And obviously, you know, in a, in a nine-category league, you're you're chasing the points with Cam Thomas. That's about all he's given you. But I, it, we've seen Cam Thomas, like, whenever he's had an opportunity, literally every single time he's played 25-plus minutes, he's gone off. Like, there's no surer bet in the NBA than Cam Thomas putting up 20 shots if the minutes are there. Is this, is this the year that it finally takes and he plays 25 to 30 minutes consistently? Because it feels like every time he's been given this chance, you know, there's an injury or the, you know, the Nets just traded somebody and he gets to, he gets to go off for a week, but there's always an end point to it. And, you know, I, I'm wondering, if, is this the year that we could finally trust him for more than a week at a time? I think so, because it feels like this Nets roster is the one that they're going to roll with throughout the course of the season. They're, they're, I don't think that they're going to be uh, buyers at the deadline or anything like that. His production has always been inhibited by some superstar coming back and, and playing minutes, and that's just not going to be the case. So uh, he's been definitely playing above his head. Don't get me wrong, but I think that he can maintain a decent average. I can't wait until the Nets play the Wizards to, to get a Cam Thomas, Jordan Poole head-to-head showdown. I, I don't know when that is coming, but... Jordan Poole. My goodness, that, that is going to be like the, the chuck-off. He might be the most reckless player in the NBA. I, I was telling Alex last He's night... He's a hard like, watch. It's gone as well as I hoped it, it, it has gone so far. Like it, we've, had, we've had already like three viral moments. You, know, you had the one last night where... Or two nights ago where he's you know, 
kind of tries to turn around and flip up a quick three and Porzingis just like effortlessly blocks it. And you can see like Poole's already holding the pose like before he realized it got blocked. Uh, He had the, the turnaround miss in honor of Nick Young over the weekend. I mean, it's, we're, we're like three games into this and he's already providing nightly comedy. Yeah. This is uh, this is the Jordan Poole experience, and I think we're learning that Steve Kerr was was doing a good job trying to rein him in, and now yeah. he is being let loose. And I really liked him in fantasy for that reason. I'm like, all right, now you're going to get a Jordan Poole with no with, yeah. with the uh, with the reins off, but you're also seeing the downside of that. I think the reins might be too off at this point. Like, exactly, there needs to be some direction, and I don't I don't know if anybody on the Wizards is is going to get in his ear. Um, all right. Any any other players or teams, Brandon, or anything from tonight's slate that you want to hit before we head out? Uh, yeah. Well, there's a couple of plays that I've got for tonight. I'm looking at. I haven't placed it yet, but I I am intrigued by um, the Minnesota Timberwolves at home plus two against the Denver Nuggets. It's just hard to pull the trigger because Denver is such a wagon right now. But that line is so fishy um, that I I have my eyebrow raised. I really like the Bulls plus five. Uh, at at Dallas, this is a team that matches up really well with the Mavericks, and we've seen that when the Mavericks play a team that's beneath them, they tend to sink down to their level. Luca's been amazing. Um, he, I mean, you, I, I would also play his over on points at thirty two and a half because he's gone over that total in three straight games. Uh, so let's just ride the hot hand. But I went back and looked last year, Chicago and the two meetings against Dallas, they won both of them. I think this Bulls team, they're not good, but they're they're good enough to keep up and keep this within five. So that would be that would be my my biggest play for tonight. Yeah, the game that I'm actually really interested in is Grizzlies Jazz. I have plenty of fantasy interests on the Utah Jazz, a lot of investment in, in Kessler and Markkinen, but Memphis is you know, very quietly off to a disastrous start to the season. I mean, they've really not even looked competitive for like half of the minutes they've been out there. I think they obviously missed John Morant. Uh, they obviously missed Steven Adams. And you know, guys like Bain and Jaron Jackson, like they've, they've done about what you expect so far in fantasy, but it's not translated to wins. And if they lose this one to the Jazz, I mean, I, I think we are we, – we've ha- – have enough of a sample to at least start to worry a little bit about Memphis. I'm already worried about Memphis because it's just too much on Desmond Bain right now. Teams are, are the teams have quickly learned. um, And I don't think it took them more than a half that if you can slow down Bain or um, just make sure that nobody else gets involved and everything funnels through him and make life a little difficult for him, they don't have a second punch. And that was the beauty of Desmond Bain is that Desmond Bain was the other guy when you were worried about John Morant, and that's how they would kill you. And then, oh, Jaron Jackson with the putback. Now it's just it's the Desmond Bain show, and he's easier to defend than um, than John Morant. So they're uh, they're up against it offensively, and and Utah. It's it's hard to fade a team that's already zero and four on the season. They're they're in desperation mode already, but. Um, I just have no confidence watching this team right now. They lost to the Wizards. That's well, there that's you go. I mean, that's, that's that. it. I mean, if you're if you're losing to the Wizards this early in the season, that is that's a, a free win. That, that is, is a free that, win. That game wasn't really even that close. Um, you know, you losing to the Mavericks, losing to the you know, lost a close one to Denver. That's forgivable. Pelicans, that's fine. Whatever. Can't be losing by seven to the Wizards. You, you just can't be doing that. Uh, we'll end on yeah. that note. Uh, good, you know, good to get some Wizards talking at the end of the pod, Brandon. Thank you for joining me. It's a requirement. Uh, Yeah, we thank all the listeners, uh, everybody tuning in live, everybody who checks us out in the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast feed. Like, subscribe. We're trying to build out this this YouTube channel as best we can. 
Uh, we'll continue to bring you, you know, five episodes of podcasts per week, plenty of, you know, breakout videos, things like that as the year goes along. So we thank everybody for listening along and we will have Dr. Ray and Rick Campbell back at you tomorrow. Alex Barutha, Ken Kreitz, and Shannon McEwen talking waiver wire on Friday. Enjoy the rest of the week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.